The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of hope. Messages of hope. Hi, everybody. I hope I don't say this every week, but every time I hear that, theme song. I get so excited because that's what I want all of you to truly know in your heart like I do, that those who have passed truly are all around us and they hear us when we speak about them, speak to them. So please do that. I am sitting here rejoicing because I just got an email from a woman I gave a reading to yesterday and Several things came up that she did not know if they were valid or not, but I've learned to trust those in the spirit world. And I said to her, well, in this case, it was her father-in-law who was coming from the spirit world, and he told me something funny. And I said, check with your mother-in-law. She will know. And my sitter just emailed me a few hours ago and validated this. And I want to tell you what the piece of evidence was that this was truly him because it's really kind of humorous, but shows the amazing creativity of the spirits who come through in in readings. I said to her, your father-in-law, is. he just showed me a can, but the top of it is jagged like it was open, and I know he's showing me that he used to eat a certain food right out of the can. Now let me look in the can, and opening up that view, it was Vienna sausages, and you know, she looked at me like I was crazy. Why would he bring this up? Because the whole point of evidential mediumship is to show that this is them. We're not reading somebody's mind. I'm not reading the client's mind. She had no idea. She went and checked with her mother-in-law and sure enough, her father-in-law used to eat Vienna sausages out of the open can. So I love this work. I'm so honored to be able to show that woman yesterday that her father-in-law is still around, even though he passed several years ago. So with that in mind, my guest today certainly knows that the afterlife is real. She is one of Europe's leading figures in the field of afterlife research. She's recognized that it's an international authority, in fact, on the world of experiences related to death. She's coming to us today live from Switzerland. She is Swiss, and her name is Evelyn Elsesser. Elsesser, I hope I got that right. And yes, I learned of her work. 
when she reached out to me wanting to have a reading, and it's really kind of funny. I feel a little bad about this. I may have to remedy this. I told her that I couldn't do a reading for her because my waiting list was too long. And then we got to communicating by email. Well, how did you hear about me? And she heard about me through our mutual friend, Ken Ring. And it turns out that Evelyn co-wrote the famous book, Lessons from the Light. I thought it was just Ken Ring, but no, Evelyn, I want to learn your role in that book and so much more. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Suzanne. Very happy to be with you and hello from Switzerland to everybody. (laughs) And I apologize for talking so long at the beginning. From now on, we turn it over to you because people want to hear from you today. Well, so <laughs> we're going to get into your backstory and all of this research, but I don't want to not mention that wonderful book, Lessons from the Light. It was one that really introduced me to the near-death experience phenomenon, and I've actually talked about it. Ken Ring doesn't want to come on the radio right now. He says, let other people talk about that. But what was your role in that book? Well, in fact, um, I was going to talk a little bit about uh, my background, how I came to this research. And indeed, um, I first learned about near-death experiences uh, through the book of Moody, Life After Life. It was really the trigger uh, for my interest in NDEs. It was more the count of the experiences which really interested me and captivated my interest more than the explanations of Moody. Mm -hmm. And I immediately became aware that there are many more implications to those experiences than what appears at first sight. In fact, I wanted to know what the philosopher, a psychologist, a physicist, or a biologist would say about NDEs. And I was looking, well, that's 30 years ago, I was looking for a pluridisciplinary book that would address those issues. And as I didn't find one, I decided to write the book I wanted to read. This is exactly how how it went. (laughs) And that's when I went to Connecticut to interview Ken Ring. That's how we met. Ah. And then I also interviewed other academics. And this became my first book, uh, On the Other Side of Life, which is in form of interviews about NDEs. And then Ken and I became close friends, and he proposed me to co-author a book with him, which then became Lessons from the Light. I see. This is is how it went. And would you clarify again, what was your focus of the book that you wanted to read, and but you were going to write it yourself, not specifically near-death experiences, but what? No, no, it was about near-death experiences, but I wanted to have like a broader look at this phenomenon, like mm-hmm. an interdisciplinary uh, understanding of those experiences, you know, from the point of view of philosophy, psychology, ah. physics, and biology, and also the, uh, theology. This is how I approached the subject, and this is why I went to Connecticut to interview Kenneth Ring, and we recorded the whole day, and he told me that this was the longest interview he ever gave. (laughs) (laughs) But I bet you laughed a lot because he's a pretty witty guy. Oh, yes, he's fantastic. I really, really love him. We have been friends for over 30 years. We are a, a lot of, in email contact. He visited me. I visited him. And now, of course, he doesn't want to travel anymore, but we are very often in contact. 
Nice. So this is, in well, fact, how my implication with the NDEs became. It's all thanks to Ken. Well, let me ask you, what was your background before that? Because not everybody just flies across the ocean to write a book. Um, well, you know, my uh, interest in um, spiritual experiences was never linked uh, to my uh, professional work. I did this always outside my work, like in the evenings, on weekends, during my, my vacations. It was not uh, linked to my work. And now, fortunately, I'm retired since a couple of months, and I have more time to dedicate to this work. But it was never, in fact, a professional uh, occupation I had dealing with those experiences. It was like a, like a private, private research I, I did for now close to 35 years. I love that. It gives hope to everybody that you don't have to have make that your main occupation if it's your passion, and clearly this is yours. It is my passion, and you know there is one big advantage when you are in that academic world, well, except for Ken, because with his reputation he could say and write whatever he, he seemed fit. But there is very often a problem for academics when they deal with those issues. They can't really write what they would like to write. And for me, the advantage was that I was absolutely independent and I mm -hmm. could always state my opinion as I wanted to and write the books the way I wanted to write them. And that is one, one big advantage. Wonderful. Well, was there anything in your younger years that might have suggested that you would have an interest in this kind of work? Well, not, not really. Uh, one thing I remembered uh, clearly when I was a child, I was very much afraid of death, which I imagined as being something dark and cold. Mm -hmm. This was a very strong feeling I uh, you know, had during my childhood years. And then when growing up, I became very interested in existential questions and, uh, well, started reading many books on those topics. But there was n no dramatic event or nobody died close to me when I was a child. It was just this impression of death being something very frightening, dark and cold. But well, changed in the, mean, in the meantime. <laughs> and that just changes the energy of this whole conversation, doesn't it? So we'll get to this eventually, but why don't you summarize yeah. for anybody who may be new to this whole topic, what have you learned about death as a result of your research? Well, it. in fact, it started with NDEs, as I told you, with my at, at adventure uh, I had with, uh, with Ken and writing our book together. And then I wrote a novel, which is entitled Talking with Angel About Illness, Death, and Survival, which is also about NDEs, ADCs, uh, and in fact, how to prepare for death. It's the story of a teenager who is facing death. And Angel is her doll, so it's uh, conversations <laughs> between a very sick child and, um, and the doll. Wow. Then some years later, I became very interested in spontaneous and direct after-death communications, and I wrote my first book about this topic. Then I thought the time had come to make a scientific research, something really very uh, solid um, academically to explore uh, this phenomenon. 
and I applied for a grant, which I received from the Salvia Foundation, a very generous grant, and then I put up a team. I have chosen my, my, my teammate, so to say, and it's Professor Chris Rowe and his assistant, uh, Dr. Callum Cooper, from the University of Northampton in Great Britain, and also my friend uh, David uh, Lorimer from the Scientific and Medical Network. Now we had our team, and we had, had the money, and we started a survey of, uh, well, a research project of two years, and we made a survey. And this, in fact, turned out to be the largest survey on ADCs ever undertaken because we had over 1,000 participants, which completed a very long questionnaire in the three languages of the project because our project is in English, French, and Spanish. And now I just finished the book presenting our research findings. And is that book available now? Not yet. It will be, well, I, I wrote it in French because I, I write in French. And uh, it will be published in Paris in March and in German translation in the summer. But then I will also make a, an English version of this book using the um, accounts of the English questionnaires, whereas the book I just finished uh, includes the accounts of the French questionnaires. So there will be an English uh, version of it, which I will probably uh, finish by the end of this year. Wonderful. Now, on your website, you have something that I'm wondering if it came from that same research. You have these two uh, PDF form booklets that are very, very helpful. They're short, easy to read for anybody that, that doesn't have the time right now to read a longer book, but presenting yeah. your research projects. Are they from the same project? Exactly. These are the research findings of our, of our research project, and uh, they will be included in the book but the book will be, of course, much longer with, with many more accounts or testimonies. Mm -hmm. But this is the same research. You're exactly right. But it's so useful because the information is available now, and the summaries are fascinating. So I thank you for making that available. Yeah, yes, you're very welcome. You see, I'm happy to send it to your listeners. Um, I have an English version, a French and a Spanish version. So if they send me an email and they find my email uh, address on my website, I, I can send out these PDF versions. Wow. Yeah, the information is listed under the on, at unityonlineradio.org. The website address is there. So wonderful. So you, as a child, thought that death took us to a cold place, a dark place. What does the yes. research show is the reality? Well, the reality is very, very, very different. And you see there are three types of experiences around death which give us this new understanding of what the death actually is. We have the near-death experiences, we have the deathbed visions, and we have, of course, the after-death um, communications. So they, for me, they are, in fact, maybe different phenomena, but stemming from the same source. And my understanding is that people experience the, 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 the phenomenon they need at a certain point in time. 
So yes. when somebody is close to death and they think they will die shortly and they have this, you know, maybe panic or maybe anger or maybe fear of death, then they can live a near-death experience, which is such a beautiful experience, so comforting. They had like a glimpse at the other side. They know what's uh, waiting for them and all the fear of death go goes away. Then when they're actually really on the on the verge of dying, they can have a deathbed vision. That uh, means that they perceive deceased loved ones who come to help them cross over. And mm -hmm. again, immediately, immediately their fear of death disappears. They get this information of what is going to happen and that it's going to be beautiful and nothing to fear. And then they, they become so calm and peaceful and they're ready to die. And then when somebody is grieving and really, really very, very unhappy because they, they lost somebody they loved very much and they're in this deep despair of having lost this person, they can have an after-death communication. That, again, is extremely reassuring, very comforting. They feel that the deceased loved one is still there somewhere. We don't know where. We don't know what the afterlife looks like, uh, looks like. We don't have this information. But they're convinced they had this experience. They're convinced there is something after death, and it's something beautiful. And it helps them in their bereavement process. So I think that these three types of experiences are extremely helpful for people who are in a difficult situation. And it's not only helpful and comforting, Comforting, it gives them information and information they need at this very moment. It's perfect. I love what you said that people experience <laughs> the phenomenon they need at a certain time. And that's how that's I, I would say people might say God provides, the universe provides. And I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this show who are in deep grief and they say, But I haven't heard from my loved one yet and I need it. Why am I not getting it? What would I you say know, to well, that? This is what I hear, you know, I receive many, many emails, and this is one of the questions I very uh, often receive. We don't know. The, the simple and short answer is we don't know why many people have those experiences. We think that between 40 and 60% of people have an ADC. Not all of them are grieving. You can also have these experiences when you're not grieving. Mm -hmm. But those who are grieving, of course, um, wait for those contacts. Sometimes they do happen and sometimes they don't happen. The only thing I can say is you did not yet have a contact with That's your right. deceased loved one. It can happen later. Maybe it will never happen. This is the mystery. We need to accept also mysteries in our life, and this is one of these mysteries. We don't know why certain people have ADCs and others do not. From my perspective, I'm coming to learn that something has to do with your own soul's journey, that sometimes those visits propel us in a certain direction and sometimes the lack of a visit propels us in a certain direction on our journey and when we trust the universe to know what it's doing beautiful things happen 
Well, you know, you're certainly right, but I am a researcher, and we <laughs> fact our well, you know, we fact our our findings and what we say and what we what we write on the facts we have collected. That's right. This is our work. Then we have yeah. our personal opinion, but that is not uh, relevant because what we propose to the public are the research findings. So um, yes, but you know. Um, you might remember maybe in lessons from the from the light, uh, Ken speaks about the benign virus of uh, NDEs. He says uh, just hearing about NDCs or reading about NDCs can give you a little bit the same um, uh, benefits than if you Absolutely. had had yourself. An ADC, and I think the same is true for ADCs. Just knowing that these uh, experiences happen and happen very often yes. can give you maybe the faith in the fact that yes, indeed, there is something after death, and our deceased loved ones are still there somewhere. Sometimes they do communicate with us. Sometimes they don't. We don't know why, but. It can comfort people, even if they didn't have the experience themselves. Exactly. I feel that if, and, and again, I know you're a researcher, and I'm speaking hypothetically yeah. and from my my insights that I've received of in course. this work, that if everyone had an ADC and we just took for granted that there's an afterlife, that would change the whole dynamics of why we're here and working on our own consciousness. So it's that that hearing about these wonderful experiences from others that that nudges us to learn more. It's why I shared the story of the Vienna sausages at the beginning. It may yes, seem silly, absolutely. but that that opens people's minds to what is possible. You know, I think it, it's a path. We're all on a path and we're looking for something and we're taking the necessary steps to get closer to what will be our truth. And I think that's a very interesting and important part of, of our lives. Indeed. So do you have a, a favorite of the three categories, near-death experience, after-death communication, or mm -hmm. deathbed, nearing death awareness experiences? I. You know, it's like when you have three children, you don't have one you prefer. <laughs> but I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I was uh, for many years into the NDE uh, research and interest. And then for me, the time had come to turn to something new, something uh, different. And mm -hmm. ADCs just were so fascinating, so extremely interesting. And there has been a lot of research um, of NDEs. Now we are into 35 years of academic research, very serious, very well done research. But there's so little research about after-death communications. And this is why I started this research project. Because you see, the problem for people who have ADCs, they have these experiences, they are sure and uh, absolutely 100% convinced that these are real experiences. Mm -hmm. Then they talk about it with their family, with their friends, with, you know, with co-workers, with whomever. And they're not believed. And people look at them and they say, well, you know, it may be a delusion because you're bereaved, you're so unhappy, that not sure that mm -hmm. it's true what you, what you tell me. And this is so painful. 
because uh, recipients, so people who had an ADC, they know it's true, they know it happened, and they would like to talk about it. They would like to share this beautiful experience, which was so unexpected and so overwhelmingly beautiful. And then it's difficult to talk about it. So this is one of the reasons why I want you to do this, this research, because it allows me to talk about ADCs, which are a major a major phenomenon of the society, imagine 40 to 60% of the populations have those experiences. Mm-hmm. And you, you never hear about it in the media, in um, social networks or whatever. Nobody speaks about ADCs. So I thought now it's really, really urgent to talk about it. Not only for the people who have them, so they can share them more easily, also, for people who are bereaved, it's very important, even if they didn't have an ADC themselves, it's really an important piece of information. And it's so beautiful, it's a pity not to talk about it. So this is the reason, the reason why I did this research project. And I'm so pleased also for my first book about ADCs, not my first book, but the first one about ADCs. It has such much success, you know. I, I, and I was so pleased to see the interest of people. You know, they right. send me emails. They, they they want more information. They want to talk about it. People are ready for these kind kinds of spiritual experiences, and this is beautiful. So what we need to do, we we need to talk about it. We need to give them the information they're looking for. Absolutely, and you're you're correct in that the more people hear about this, the more they are open to their own experiences. I feel that many times people miss these communications because they don't realize what's happening. Well, I'm not sure. I think when you have a real ADC, you know something happened. Mm-hmm. And you know it's real because it has such a powerful impact. And that's what I wanted you to say, because the one thing about them is that heart connection. When you say people don't believe them, they know it. That's the difference. They know this was their loved one. That's the soul knowing. That's that heart connection. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Maybe the only type of ADC, because maybe I can talk about the different types of uh, ADCs we have identified. One type of ADC, maybe sometimes people can doubt it's the symbolic ADCs, you know, something very personal, something which really makes sense only by the interpretation they give to those experiences. Maybe this is the only type of ADCs I would say when people, uh, recipients are not maybe completely sure that something happened. Right. Well, we have to go to a break now, but that's exactly what I would love for you to go into, Evelyn, when we come back is the types of ADCs. And we would love if you'd share with us some excellent examples of those so everybody come back we'll be back after a three-minute break Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease 
and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. I hope you all are enjoying this conversation with Evelyn Elsesser as much as I am. As I mentioned at the beginning, one of Europe's leading authorities in the fields of near-death experiences, after-death communications. And so, Evelyn, we would love for you to share with us the types of after-death communications. In other words, how do our loved ones let us know they're around after they pass? Yes. Um, they are ADCs are perceived through the senses of hearing, touch, smell, and vision. Very often, recipients sense the presence of the deceased without seeing or hearing them, without smelling a fragrance characteristic of the deceased, and without feeling a physical contact. Very often, also, ADCs occur during sleep, but it is important to stress that 52% of recipients are woken up by the contact. It starts like... uh, not like a dream because it's very different from a dream, but it starts while they're sleeping and then they're they're woken up by the contact. Mm-hmm. Now we have made a ranking with um, more than 1,000 participants. To be very precise, there were 1,004 participants who have completed our questionnaire, and this gives us a ranking of the type of ADCs. So the sleep ADCs come first with 62%, tactile ADCs 48%, visual ADCs 46%. This is much higher than we expected because apparitions are very powerful experiences, very um, very powerful and very, very impactful for the, yes. for the people who have those experiences. Then we have auditory ADCs, 43%, ADCs of sensing a presence, 34%, and finally, olfactory ADCs, 28%. Now, ADCs are much more than just a short perception of the disease because those uh, experiences are very short. They last a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes for for, uh, the most, so they're very, very short. But what is really important are the emotions felt Mm -hmm. and perceived by the recipients and the information provided by the deceased. So what are those information? Um, As recipients understand it, the very fact that the deceased seemed to be able to communicate with the living implies that they continue an existence somewhere. Yes. So the strongest impact undoubtedly comes from this apparent capacity of making contact, which is a a revelation for some and the confirmation of a pre-existing conviction for others, that is to say that a form of consciousness 
survives physical death. Now, what is the messages they perceive apart from the very fact of getting, having this contact? Most of them, they um, perceived like a personal contact and those, uh, like a, sorry, like a personal message. And these messages are quite homogeneous. Now we call them the four R's. Okay. These messages are reassuring. The deceased say, I'm fine, don't worry about me. The troubles I had at the end of my life are now behind me. They are resolving, like, for example, they settle old conflicts, they allow for spa space for apologies, and they provide closure. Then they are reaffirming, like a continuing bond which, which still exists between uh, the living and the deceased. They're affectionate, you know, they receive the message, I love you, I am with you, I'm at your side, I will help you. And the messages are releasing. They tell their family members or friends, don't be sad, pursue your life, don't hold me back by your suffering. And this last point is a very important point, when they say, don't hold me back by the suffering, because we know that when we are so desperate, so unhappy, so sad, it also affects them. It's also difficult for them to see us in such a difficult situation. So I think what we can try to do, and I know it's very difficult, it's not an easy thing to do, but if we could try not to hold on to them too long, too, too hard, you know, n not to cry so much, not to try to hold them back by our suffering. I think this is something we can do for our deceased loved ones. We know they can help us, and it, but and this is maybe a surprise to many. I think that we can also help our deceased loved ones by letting them go, by accepting their physical departure, and by trying just to go on without with our lives without them. And this is where, from my personal experience of thousands of readings, I can add that they they don't leave us, but many times they feel they have to hang around constantly when we're terribly yeah. grieving. So by letting them go, as you put it, what we're doing is letting them enjoy their new chapter, but they're still free to visit us. This is absolutely what they have told me over and over. So my personal research as a re medium validates that they it's not like we're keeping them from the light. They go to the light as soon as they pass, but yeah. they can visit us. But it's, it's, it is felt by them when we suffer. Exactly, exactly. Of course we suffer. I mean, it's so sad to lose, to, to lose somebody. They're not here anymore physically. And this is the hardest part of the bereavement process, to accept that they're not here anymore. They will not come back in their physical form. This mm -hmm. is very, very, very difficult. But what is really important in the bereavement process is to build this inner bond with them. You know, this inner bond which will always be there. Nothing can destroy this bond. They're still with us, just not in their physical form. Yeah, if I could just share very quickly a phrase from my Daily Way post, the phrase that my guide Sanaya gave me just this past week. You can't have them back, but you can have them forward, which ah, means... Beautiful. 
we move on together, together, but our grieving just, uh, it, it impacts both sides of the veil. I want to just comment one of the things you talked on the tactile ADCs. I have to bring up how my husband, Ty, actually felt his daughter, Susan, my stepdaughter, Susan's two fingers on his arm so much so that he turned to the side to see who was there when he was hiking on a trail that they used to hike together. And this validates what you were saying, Evelyn, that when it happens to you, you know who it is and what the message is. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. This so I don't want to fill this with my so, stories. So powerful. Yeah. Would you share with us some of the stories that you've heard that truly impacted you? Well, all of them are beautiful and they're all unique because they're, they're tailored for the recipient. They're, they're all beautiful. Um, but I have um, maybe some interesting ones uh, on a specific uh, type of ADCs which involve uh, information previously unknown to the recipient. Oh, I we love those. <laughs> yes, yes, because it's interesting for, for uh, research. We are doing uh, qualitative research on this topic right now. This is the closest we come to uh, evidence or proof, you know, of ages mm-hmm. in the scientific um, way of looking at things. So, yes, well, the um, information previously unknown is uh, um, generally related to practical issues, like, for example, the, um, um, the family uh, is looking for the location of um, documents of the family book. For example, they learn about investments in the stock market, market which have been kept secret, and it's important for them to get this information. It can be a life insurance which was taken and nobody knew about it. Mm-hmm. All these practical, you know, informations which are important for the family. Now, I can give you some examples. Oh, please do. Yes, uh, it's always nice to talk about uh, concrete cases. So one one of our um, one of our testimonies we have in our data collection, for example, it's uh, about the recently deceased father who gave practical information to his children who were looking for the papers of their father's car, which was to be sold the following morning. So they couldn't find the papers; they were, you know, uh, looking for it uh, desperately. And one of them had an ADC, a visual ADC, where she saw her father, and the father was very upset. He was scratching nervously his head and saying, (laughs) you're looking in the wrong place. The papers of the car are in my briefcase. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) And uh, indeed, the papers were in his briefcase. I have another one which is also interesting, which is also one of our um, participants who told us about this one, which is related to a future event. This is rather rare. Mm -hmm. Um, And those uh, ADCs are then confirmed by the passage of time. So I'm thinking of a pregnant woman who received the information from her deceased mother that her daughter was going to be born a week prematurely, which turned out to be correct. Uh-huh. These, these wonderful stories, th- these validate what comes through in readings. So by, by grace, and, and we're so honored, those of us who can connect uh, with 
intention mediums to to say that they do the same thing when they can connect through a medium so it's lovely when they're trying their best to say it directly to the family members and do so through these adcs absolutely no i completely agree i have a last one which is which is interesting because it was in fact a very very important one for a baby during uh, another contact, the father re- received the information from his deceased grandfather that his baby of several months had a part of a toy in the mouth, which could uh, suffocate him. Oh my goodness! And he, yeah, and he he ran to the room of the baby, and he was able to get this element of the toy out of his sleeping baby's mouth before anything bad could happen. Wow. I mean, this is very, very, very powerful, isn't it? I'll say. Ooh, everybody else have goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, see, we're not holding our loved ones back from anything at all. They just jump in as needed when it serves well, the greater yeah, good. This, this is... This is so true, and you know, this is these are the ADCs for uh, protection and warning. This is one of the mm. categories. Well, I told you about uh, different senses, uh, sensory or, uh, organs through which mm-hmm. you perceive the disease. But they are after different types of uh, ADCs, like symbolic ADCs, or as I said, ADCs for uh, warning and protection. And these are so beautiful. And this can happen many, many years after the, um, the death of the person. Mm-hmm. And they, they can prevent an accident, a drowning, a, a, drowning, a, a fire, a young child uh, who is in danger, or like um, a health issue which has not been diagnosed. These are very, very interesting uh, experiences because, again, they have this uh, evidential side to it. You know, something mm-hmm. could have happened. There is a danger there. You you were informed. You became aware of it, and you could you could um, avoid it. And maybe this is also the opportunity to say that 50% of ADCs occur in the first year after the demise, ah. with a strong concentration in the first 24 hours and up to seven days. Mm-hmm. After there are still uh, those contacts uh, occurring between two and five years after the death of the person, but af- afterwards they're much more rare, except for ADCs for warning and protection, which can happen even tenth of years after the after the demise. I love that. That I love that. It's very very comforting and affirming. Yes, that they're still like with they us. Had, they, they, they're always watching over us. It gives you this impression, you know, such a comforting impression. They're there. They're, they're having a look at you. And if you're in big, big trouble, they're there, uh, they're there to help you. I think this is just a very, very comforting um, idea. Yes. So I want to go back to this. Uh, subject we discussed where some people have the ADC and others around them question it or think it was just their grieving and their imagination. And you mentioned that symbolic ADCs are one of the most common that are questioned. Uh, I would think that sensing a presence, if somebody just says, well, I felt dad near me or I felt my child around me would be one that people question. But again, it's that, that certainty that we discussed. Yes, you know, um, 
Uh, is it a question, all of them, you know, if you say, I saw my deceased husband, maybe people don't believe you. If you say, I heard him, I felt him, I smelled, uh, you know, a fragrance uh, which made me think of him, or I just sense his presence. If people don't believe you, they won't believe you anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's but right. But, but you know what you know when it happens to you. Exactly. You know what you know. And sensing the present is very, very interesting because uh, the recipient, they know exactly when the deceased person comes and when he or she goes away. And it's always very short, as I said before, a couple of seconds. Then they know the person is here. And not only do they know that the person is in the room, they know exactly where physically the person mm. is in the room, but without seeing them. It's like if there was a certain density, a certain density but not visible, you see. They can mm-hmm. say the, the, the deceased was to my left or standing in front of me, and then the person left, the deceased person left, without seeing them, without, you know, feeling or hearing or smelling them, but they know they were there and then they're not there anymore. And this is very impressive because um, they're just sure that this is, this is what happened and that it was real. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Now, I would like to bring up something that's in your research. Uh, I am saying this to clear away the fear, not to cause people fear. But there have been cases you've found of people experiencing partial temporary paralysis. And I've had people ask me about this because it's happened to them. Would you talk about that a little, please? Yes, I'm very happy to do that. Well, that's very interesting. And I think I'm, frankly speaking, the first one who has identified this element of the ADC because for my first ADC book, I had uh, 22 testimonies, and three of them had felt this uh, partial temporary uh, paralysis. And this has never been identified so far. So we, we of course, took advantage of our research to ask uh, several questions about this kind of experience. And indeed, indeed, um, uh, 12% of our participants had noticed the partial temporary uh, uh, paralysis. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> paralysis during the ADC. Um, so how does this uh, happen? Either they cannot move, they cannot speak, some of them, that them say they couldn't think clearly, they couldn't see well during the contact. But never, uh, don't forget how short these experiences mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of seconds, so it can be frightening. Can, you could imagine it must be very, very frightening if you cannot move anymore, you cannot speak, you can hardly see. But it's very, very short. And it's interesting to see that most of them were not at all um, uh, frightened. They just said, well, when this happens to me, I know that a contact will take place. So I just wait and see uh, until I can perceive the deceased person. It was, it was not frightening for them. Yeah, I found and that as fascinating. As the contact is, uh, is finished, of course, they, 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 they don't have this impression of... Uh, of not being able to move or to speak anymore. That goes away immediately. Yes. Yeah. So well. we don't know why. What is, what, well, you see, we don't know 
much about ADCs. What's the nature? How, how do they occur? What happens when you perceive a message? We don't know how it works, to say uh, between your uh, brackets. How does it work? We don't know how it works. It might be a question of um, energy. I think it must be linked to energy. And maybe this partial temporary temporary paralysis, sorry. Yes, that's it. <laughs> difficult this with this word. Maybe it's also linked to a question of uh, energy. I could imagine but mm -hmm. we don't know. We don't want to spec uh, to um, make any spec yes. uh, um, mm -hmm. speculations mm -hmm. about this because we don't have enough information yet. But we will look into that more closely. Sure. Did you research, and if you did, what the impact is of these ADCs on the bereavement process? Yes. The impact is very, very significant, and it is very, very powerful. Well, the very fact of having this experience is for them the proof, the subjective proof that the deceased person is still alive. The personal message they have received is also extremely important and very comforting, very helpful for the bereavement process. They felt the love and the support of their deceased family member or friend. They don't feel alone anymore. This is important. Mm -hmm. They know yes. they're not into that all by themselves. The deceased person is still there to help them. See, and these are the messages of hope. <laughs> they are exactly the messages of hope. And you know, when it comes to creating this inner bond with the deceased person, ADCs fit into that perfectly. They, they are like the materialization of this inner connection, which is still there. So yes, they are very, very powerful. They are very helpful. They bring emotional healing. And, um, you know, most of our, um, a very high percentage of our uh, participants said, 70, 72% said that it did bring them emotional uh, healing and that it was extremely helpful. But let me say two things which are important. ADCs don't take the sadness away. Mm -hmm. And this is important. It's, it's not a magic thing, you know. The sadness is still there and it will be for a long time. Even if there is hope, it gives you a lot of hope, but it doesn't take away the sadness. And the second thing, which is important for me to stress, it doesn't prevent you from doing your bereavement uh, work. You need to do it. You need to accept the departure, the physical departure. You need to learn how to live without this important and essential person in your life. All this work of the bereavement process, you have to do it anyway. That's right. But knowing they're not gone forever is such, such, such a help. It is. It is. So how has this affected your personal life? Has, has it changed your beliefs? Well, it did. <laughs> it did. It did, of course, affect my beliefs and also my outlook at life and death. NDEs, deathbed visions, and ADCs are deeply transformative experiences. I told you earlier that I was afraid of death when I was a child. You know, right. I thought about yes. something dark and cold and frightening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, today when I reflect about death, I think of a place filled with light and love. 
that the people I love live a beautiful and a peaceful life. So, yes, it did change completely my understanding of uh, death. I love that. And and the beautiful thing, Evelyn, is that people can can find that kind of understanding from reading about them. And I hope that people will go to your website and read your books as well. I want to read the book about the young young person talking to their dog. I think that's a lovely way to put this Talking with Angel. Material. About talking with Bible. Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Those are available on Amazon, aren't they? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Absolutely. okay. All right. Well, we just have, uh, say, two minutes to go. Any Anything yes. else you'd like to share or any advice for listeners? Well, maybe I could just say to all the bereaved person who did not have an after-death uh, communication, it's important for me to stress that they should not think it's a lack of interest. It's... Um, like an indicator of the relationship they had with Very this good. person, like you know they they they, they like uh, abandoned them or forgot about them. I'm sure this is not true. I'm Absolutely. sure this is not true. So I think it's important not to have like hard feelings, you know, about your loved uh, deceased person. Uh, asking yourself, why didn't he or she make the effort to contact me? We don't know how it happens. We don't know how it works. So uh, it is important not to have this impression of having been abandoned by the deceased loved one. I am so happy you said that. It's absolutely correct. And to know that most likely they are trying, but to absolutely know, and I can state this categorically from the thousands of readings that they are okay. Mm. They are fine. Yeah, this is the most important. And I, I agree with you. I could imagine that, you know, some of them, many of them, we don't know, actually tried to contact the loved ones and it just didn't work, you know. Yeah. I could imagine yeah. that this could be the case. I do believe there's something, like you said, energy, something with the frequency, and they're still trying yeah. to make it work. And if it doesn't, again, we just trust and know that they're okay. Well, Evelyn, thank you. It's been an honor interviewing you, and thank you for this important work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It was really a great joy for me, and thank you to everybody, who, who to all the people who were listening to us. Thank you to all right. everybody. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. 
Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.